This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. Today we're talking about learning to live without vanity, as we talk about learning to live like Jesus. Vanity has to do with um, overestimating your own abilities and your own attractiveness and making life kind of about you. And the one thing that Jesus really had trouble with was when religious people did this. When people were boasting about their own religious practices. It was really off-putting. In fact, Jesus took on the religious hypocrites more than he took on about anybody in any segment of society. And I think he did this because he recognized that people who were pretending to be something that they weren't, people who thought they were better than other people, especially in their relationship with God, was so off-putting, it kept other people that would come and know Jesus themselves. It's like someone said, I really love Elvis. It was his fans that I had trouble with. There's a lot of people that would love Jesus if it wasn't for Christians, if it wasn't for religious people. You you look around you this morning, and you may be a guest, you may be uh, someone that you don't know if you really fit here. Maybe you're you're someone that's really kind of blown it quite a few times in your life, and, and you feel kind of down on yourself. And you look around, you see these Sunday smiles that we put on, and you're wondering, man, do I really fit here? Some people leave church or they leave their churches because they're so exhausted by the end of that morning because they felt like they had to pretend to be something that they're not. So I just want you to look around you, see the smile, see the pretty faces around you. Just go ahead, look at the pretty faces around you. Don't let these pretty faces fool you. I'm, I'm here to tell you, people around you have out you 10 to 1. Trust me on that, okay? So Jesus is really opposed to religious hypocrisy. And he's really taken it on today. And he really tells us, religious people, that there's really only two things that we can ever boast about in our spirituality. The Apostle Paul actually says this. He says we can boast on the cross. We can boast about the cross. Because the cross represents the reality that we can't make it on our own. The cross boasts about the reality that we have all sinned. We've all blown it. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. So you know you're on solid ground spiritually if you're bragging about the cross. And the other thing you can brag about is your weaknesses. Not your strengths, but your weaknesses. Because in our weaknesses, God's strength and power is manifested. Okay? And so Jesus has a lot of problems with vain religious people. We're going to look at three illustrations, and we're looking at uh, the words from the message. These words are printed on the front of your Pray, Study, Grow material if you want to follow along there or on the screen. But Jesus is telling us in three different ways how he is so opposed to vainglory 
vanity, particularly among religious people. He says, be especially careful when you're trying to be good so that you don't make a performance out of it. It might be good theater, but the God who made you won't be applauding. When you do something for someone else, don't call attention to yourself. You've seen them in action, I'm sure. Play actors, I call them. Treating prayer meeting and street corner like a, a stage. Acting compassionate as long as someone's watching. Playing to the crowds. They get applause, true, but that's all they get. When you help someone out, don't think about how it looks. Just do it. Quietly and unobtrusively. That is the way your God, who conceived you in love, working behind the scenes, helps you out. So Jesus is really, is really concerned about the photo ops. You know, when we pretend to be really good in front of the camera. You know, when politicians are in front of the camera, talking in front of the camera about one another, rather than talking to each other behind the camera away from the camera, we got problems. We got too many photo ops going on. When athletes, professional athletes or stars pretend to be one thing in front of the camera and creating drama on and off the field, not being able to check their ego, we got problems. How much more so that's true when religious people are doing good things to bring attention to themselves rather than bringing glory to God. That's why in our soul training exercise this week, we're asking everyone in the church to do five things this week, hopefully in secret, hopefully without other people knowing about it, but you're helping to lighten the burden of somebody else in your life. It might be a family member. It may be a neighbor down the street. It may be some courtesy that you give to somebody else. They may not know you by name, but anonymously if possible. But if in all things, you're doing this not to draw attention to yourself. So you do it in secret. Why? To counteract this whole idea that in our culture, it's all about image. It's all about looking good. It's always about doing something that makes us look good in someone else's eyes. Jesus says, I don't have anything to do with that. If you want to do that, you go ahead. And sure, you might get the praise of other people. Other people might applaud you. But that's all you're going to get. And it's really fleeting. Jesus gives a second illustration about how not to do something and then how to do it. He's talking about prayer. And he says that when you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. All these people make a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. Do you think that God sits in a box seat? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God. And you will begin to sense His grace. 
You know one thing I avoid like, a, like the plague? I avoid the title of being a professional prayer. I think God hates professional praying. I think one of the worst things Christianity ever did was the idea that only pastors can pray. So when I'm in a committee meeting at the church, when I'm in any kind of group or whatever, guess what? I am the last person that wants to pray. Jesus is telling us, don't get caught up in the flowery words. Don't, don't limit yourself and your ability to pray because you can't pray like someone else that uses all these phrases and these terms to impress other people. If I had my way about it, we probably would have a lot fewer praying going on among the pastors, and we just have good folks like you helping to lead us in prayer. Jesus says don't get into that public drama stuff. He's not against public praying. He's not against people praying with each other. That's not the point. But he's getting at this idea that always remember that prayer is about talking to me. Talking to me. And he's saying that you and I learn to pray by going to God in private. He said it's like going somewhere. You've got, you got to have a place, he's saying. You've got to have a room. You've got to have a closet. You've got to have a chair. I mean, you've got to have a place to go. And you've got to go there every day. And when you go, you shut the door. You, you turn off the phone. You turn off the technology. You, you unplug. And no one else is there except God. <laughs> and when you learn to pray like this, oh my goodness, God rewards you. And you know what the reward is? He shows up. He is present in the room with us. He's in the empty chair with us. It's, it, it's everything in the world to experience prayer like this. But our problem is we just can't quiet our minds. I mean, if you're like me, your, your mind is running a uh, hundred thoughts a minute. And, and you sit down and you notice if you're really quiet, uh, maybe you don't have this problem, but your, your heart's racing. And, and you recognize your breath is just like, I can't, I can't get still enough to even communicate with God. Here's, a, here's something I want to practice with you this morning. It's called the breath prayer. Okay? Just breathe in and breathe out. Don't breathe through your mouth. I'm the only one that gets to do that because I'm talking. Uh, breathe through your nose. And if you're breathing properly, your abdomen goes in and out. And as you breathe in, think about, God, I love you. And as you breathe out, hear God saying, your name, I love you. Breathe in. And breathe out. And just quiet your spirit a little bit. Quiet your heart a little bit. And God's grace, his peace, just kind of settles down on us. He's saying, that's the way you pray. You know, when we, when we 
empty ourselves, when we're not role-playing, when, when, we, when we're just kind of who we are before God. God is so pleased when you're, when you're that way, when I'm that way. There was a guy that was praying, and, and he heard this whisper. And the whisper inside of him said, I want you to get down. And so he thought God was talking to him, so he got down on his knees. And then he kept hearing the whisper, I want you to get down. And so he got down prostate. And he's completely down, and, and the whisper keeps going. I want you to get down. And he says, God, I'm as down as low as I can get. And the whisper says, I want you to get down in your heart. And when you and I get down in our hearts, well, that's when God really gets high, gets big, gets elevated in our life. Jesus is saying, pray like that. The final illustration he gives us is about practicing or any kind of uh, spiritual appetite that we're, we're trying to reduce or, I mean, a, some other kind of addiction that we've got. So Jesus puts it this way. He says, when you practice some appetite-denying discipline to better concentrate on God, don't make a production out of it. It might turn you into a small-time celebrity, but it won't make you a saint. If you go into training inwardly, act normally outwardly. Shampoo, comb your hair, brush your teeth, wash your face. Jesus doesn't require attention-getting devices. He won't overlook what you're doing. He'll reward you. And the reward is a life with God. That's what we're going after. Humility. You know, humility is a wonderful thing. Humility is where, as C.S. Lewis says, we don't have to think too highly of ourselves, and we don't have to think too lowly of ourselves. In fact, we don't have to think about ourselves at all. We don't have to be so self-conscious. We don't have to worry about what other people are thinking. And we don't have to kick ourselves when we make mistakes. I love Tony Dungy, the coach that uh, coached the, the Colts to a Super Bowl. Now he's a broadcaster. And when his quarterback would make a mistake, he would say to his quarterback, you threw the interception, but you're not the interception. You know the amazing thing about God is when we sin, when we blow it, we make mistakes. He has that same kind of spirit. See, we're afraid to be real with God. We think we've got to be, pretend to be better than we are because we're afraid that God's going to nail us just like we get nailed by other people. But we don't get nailed because of our sin. Jesus got nailed on the cross because of our sins. We don't get nailed. Remember the guy, Jesus, the two guys Jesus talked about in the temple that were praying, and one guy was praying, God, I'm so thankful. I'm so good. I give my money. I worship you. I pray six or seven times a day. I do all these wonderful religious activities. And I thank you, most of all, that I'm not like this scumbag over here praying. And the other guy's just praying 
with his head bowed and he's beating his hand against his chest and he's saying, God, please be merciful to me, a sinner. And what does Jesus say? Jesus asks the question, who do you think is justified before God? Jesus says it's the guy that humbles himself. So there's just no place for vanity in this world. I can't help but notice the word sin, the middle letter is I. The word pride, the middle letter is I. The word Lucifer, the middle letter is I. Lucifer got in trouble because he thought he was God. He was in competition with God. He wanted to be in the place of God. I does the same thing to me. <laughs> Humility is the virtue to counteract vanity. Well, I want to shift some gears with you um, just to kind of summarize what we've been talking about in terms of kingdom narratives and worldly narratives. See, the worldly narrative tells us that my value is based on your opinion of me. But the kingdom narrative says my value is based on God's opinion of me. So I don't have to worry about impressing you. I can be authentically real as I'm living this life to please God. The worldly narrative says a church is measured by its budget and its buildings. You know, it's really easy for us to think, man, this church is doing great because look at the building. Look at the expanding budget. Look at the people. But that's not what God focuses on. God is always asking the question, how are you using your money? How are you using the buildings? How are you doing church in a way that's really renovating people's hearts and changing people's lives and giving people hope and letting people taste of Jesus and entering into this kingdom of God? How many people are really transformed and changed? How many people's lives are being touched? That's always Jesus' bottom line, is what's going on inside our hearts. A kingdom narrative and a worldly narrative, another one, um, the audience of one is different from the applause of people. You know, uh, oftentimes when I preach, I, I imagine that Jesus is sitting in these pews. He's, he's sitting, he's always sitting near the front, by the way. So if you want to sit close to Jesus, you might want to move on up a little bit. <laughs> because I am really tempted all the time to say things that I think you're going to like. And kind of just water down things. And so I, I imagine Jesus sitting in the pew because I want to put a smile on his face. I want to make sure that when I'm saying something that's kind of tough, I'm pleasing him. Because I'm tempted to really please you. And that's when I get in trouble. How about you? Another a few narratives, seek positions of power and influence. We want to have that seat of power. We want to have that place. But in the kingdom, 
Everyone gets to be a person of influence because everybody gets to serve. No matter who you are, you can lead from where you are. You can touch a person's life today. You can be Jesus to somebody else. You can wash someone else's feet in a lot of different ways. You are privileged to do that. You are in that position right now. No matter who you are, how much you have, or how little you have, you can be that person of influence. In the kingdom narrative, and the worldly narrative, prayers are words we say to impress God and others. But in the kingdom narrative, prayer is where we meet God face to face. And in the final one, in worldly narratives, we do religious acts to impress others. But in God's narratives, we do spiritual disciplines to connect with God. Last week, I was at a, a young adult prayer retreat. We had uh, 17 20-somethings there, and we had six vintage adults like me. And in, in that prayer weekend experience, we did a variety of things. But there were two things on the evaluations that the young adults said were most important to them. The first thing was just the whole idea that in groups of four or five, they could get together and they could really pray for each other and pray over each other. And, and, and that Jesus was there with them. The Holy Spirit was present. Some, some of them said they had never, ever prayed like that before. I mean, really, just in groups of four or five, get real with God. That was really a cool experience. And the second thing they said was, in their time of solitude, we had two hours where they unplugged. All they did was to... Think of the scripture, think of the scripture, let God speak to them in their hearts, in solitude. For many of them, that was a life-transforming experience. Do you see how much that was in alignment with what Jesus is teaching us about the difference between being vain and full of religious pride and being real? and humbling ourselves before God and one another. So I want to encourage you today uh, to do two things this week in secret. The first thing, we've already talked about it. Live and do secretive things to help somebody else lighten their burden in life. And go to God in secret. Go to that quiet place, that secret place where God will meet with you. We're going to pray right now and give you a few moments just to do that, of silence and inviting God to speak into your heart and your life. It's so wonderful to be less burdened with vanity, to be free and to be who we are before God. Let's just give God a few moments to speak into our lives today.